0: You're listening to the Aligned Action Podcast, episode 30. And in today's episode, I'm interviewing Jess Ely. She's a mindset mentor for high-achieving entrepreneurs who are ready to create success of their own definition. She has helped entrepreneurs reestablish work-life balance, bust through multi-six and seven-figure income plateaus, and reimagine their businesses to be supportive of their biggest goals. I connected with Jess about five years ago as a client of hers, and as you know, five years is an eternity in the online space. I can't wait for you to listen to this episode and learn more about all of the supportive frameworks that Jess has for her clients that she's sharing with you in today's episode. You're listening to the Aligned Action Podcast, the show that helps baffled beginners and even experienced entrepreneurs set intentions, attract ideal clients, and make meaning and money using real-life examples an interactive teaching style and in-episode experiences. I'm your host Chantal, an educator turned web designer and aligned business mentor at Clear Quartz Creative. Together, we'll get past your playing small patterns and transform your all-over-the-place ideas into exciting possibilities, so you can get the clarity you want, have the alignment you need, and embody the steps to grow your business your way. So take a deep breath, settle in with intention, let's get into today's episode. Hey, Jess, we are going to get right into it. If your vision were to be represented in a candle scent, what would that candle be called? Probably like
1: football stadium. (laughs) We're in the thick of football season, and I am a football nut. But I think the thing that I love about it is getting 70,000 people to all rally around something is like, I get choked up watching 70,000 people do the wave together. It's, that's a really weird thing to admit. But when you recognize that we can all come together around something that we care about and like the person next to you might have completely different beliefs about something like that's actually why I love it. The experience of community and banding together around something that you really care about So, I'm not exactly sure what that would smell like. There's probably some beer in there and fresh cut grass and, you know, a little bit of rain or something.
0: I love that. If you could only take one action a day that would help you get closer to achieving your mission statement in business, what would that action be?
1: I just look for opportunities to show people that I care about them. But fundamentally, I have. Built my business by serving people and which builds relationships, always coming from a place of serving people first.
0: It sounds like you are the 70,000 fans banding together to support your community. And now imagine that all of your brand values as concepts could be held within a single crystal. What kind of gem would that be?
1: Okay. I admittedly am like a crystal dummy. But the only one I've ever really felt any kind of affinity for is obsidian. And from the little bit that I know about it, it is like supposed to be able to hold and absorb. And I find that this is kind of what I do for people. It doesn't drain me. The people who care about me will sometimes be considerate and say, you know, like, is this too much? Do you have time for this? Is this okay? And it's not that I get any joy in hearing people's crap, but Like I just find that holding space and being okay with other people's not okayness is something that comes really naturally to me.
0: That is a really cool alignment of like envisioning yourself as the crystal almost rather than the crystal representing your business. That's a fascinating viewpoint. Speaking of how you hold space for people and you're okay with their not okayness, Tell me a little bit about your ideal client. Who do you do that for?
1: I tend to work with people who identify as high achievers. They are people who either in a previous life or currently were really good at getting stuff done, or they were the one who had like the the smart label growing up, or they've accomplished a lot in their life or their business. There's two sides to that coin. Sometimes people come to entrepreneurship because they were extremely successful or they're extremely talented at what they do. And now they can't make it happen or make it work as an entrepreneur. And then other times I work with entrepreneurs who are already extremely successful and are either struggling with the implications of that success on their life, or they've kind of made golden handcuffs for themselves. And don't know why they keep doing what they're doing, but it's working and everybody's jealous of them. So I guess I'm going to keep doing it, that kind of thing. I will work with people who are well into mid-seven figures, and I'm telling them the same things that I tell people who are making zero dollars, because it's the same problem.
0: Just at a different stage.
1: Yes, and it's just presenting differently. So for people who can't take any action, what they are attached to is different than what people who are making, say, $5 million a year are attached to.
0: Well, when I first found you, I was definitely not in the 5 million category. I was in (laughs) the underachieving and stumped why I can't excel in this area of life category. For those of you listening, the connection that I have with Jess is that about five years ago or so... I purchased an offer that she had called Workshops for Water. And it wasn't just any purchase. And Jess, I don't know if you know this, but it was my very first business purchase ever in my first business. I had no idea. <laughs> I remember this that. This so like, fun though. Yeah. 97 US yeah. dollar kind of thing. And I remember being like, oh my God, I don't know. <laughs> like, because I was so new and I just felt totally drawn to you. I think I'd heard about you on the Strategy Hour podcast or something or through stuff at Courage and Clarity. I don't know which of you I found first, but listening to you talk, I was just like, I don't know why I need this, but I need more of listening to her talk. That's why I invested in workshops for water. So it was also it- my first time using Zoom and <laughs> I, I remember listening to Utah, talk and I was driving between small towns teaching my yoga classes, which were that I remember not profitable, you know, yes. and I remember like feeling very afraid to unmute and directly speak to you because I felt like we were just on opposite sides of the universe. Beginner me really felt like we were very, very, very far apart and you were completely established and you knew exactly what you were doing. And I have a question for you based on that beginner version of me. How accurate was that perception or how much of it was colored by my own personal flavor of inadequacy? You added a
1: lot of colors in there. (laughs) So Workshops for Water was a $97 donation to Charity Water. So I made $0 running these workshops. And the reason for that is because up until that point, I had had a handful of one on one clients, not that many, but one of the people I had talked to and connected with was Emily Williams. After people heard me talking, they were like, I can't afford one on one with you, but I would like to work with you in a group capacity. And I had so little conviction around one, my ability to get people results in a group setting, right? Like, how am I going to say something that works for one person, but then there's like five other people who need to hear something totally different on the call. I was like mortified by that. Two, I had no clue if I could actually get butts in seats. The last thing I wanted to do was like sell something and then it's me and two people for months and months sitting together doing nothing. And three, I just had stuff around selling in that way. So my one-on-one is really, it's inbound. It's completely inbound. People hear me, they follow me. Sometimes they follow me for five years. And then one day they message me out of the blue and they're like, Jess, we need to work together. Can I sign up? And I'm like, yes, you can. I don't do sales calls. And so this idea of like, oh gosh, I'm going to try to sell something that's on specific dates. And I have to find and craft a message that's going to resonate with all the different types of people out there and all the different life and business situations that they find themselves in. And I'm going to have to try to figure out how to show them that this is actually worthwhile. I had so much stuff around it. And so I was like, I'm going to make it $97. It's a month. If you have crap run spending $25 a week with me, it, it, I cannot help you. And I'm going to make it a donation so that at least you have warm, fuzzy feelings. And I have no stuff around taking it myself. And like, basically, I just took all of my excuses and found some wiggle room to get around what it is my head was concerned about. So like, did I have my stuff together? No, absolutely not. And that's why Workshops for Water was a thing. What I did have together was the understanding that that's what I needed to do in order to, go, to move forward. So like, we look at people who have no business and people who look at a humongo business as uh, there's a lot of steps there. And there are. But there are more steps to go from zero to a thousand dollars a month, and then from a thousand dollars to like ten thousand dollars a month, than there are in almost any other jumps. Because after that, it's just strategic. But getting your head to a place where like you actually know how to manage yourself, you know how to allow yourself to take action, you know how to. Figure out what it is you really want for yourself. There's tons and tons of steps in there. So, like, was I ahead of you in business? Like, like three steps probably. What I had done was like the years of mental work to be able to get those three steps ahead. And, And that is so not talked about enough, especially for some of us. All those mental pieces have to be worked through before you're really going to see the kind of success that is often purported as like so easy if you just follow my seven-step blueprint, right? And that's not how it works for everybody.
0: Totally. It's more of a way of how we are thinking about what we're doing than it is about even the things that we're doing. Yes, absolutely. What has stayed the same in your business and what has changed in your business since then in those five years-ish? When
1: you are following in someone's footsteps, you are not served by finding the person who is 20 steps ahead of you because they are too far removed from what it is you are trying to do to adequately remember or even know what questions to ask you that would be productive. I am not as great of a coach anymore for people who are like really struggling to get started. That's, that's too far away from where I am now to the point that like, sometimes I will go back and I will listen to recordings that I did back then or, and I'll be like, whoa, that was really good. That was a good point. But like, I don't say those things anymore because that's no longer my frame of reference. Who it is I can adequately mentor has grown as I have grown. And so sometimes people hear in earlier podcasts that I did, I would talk about how like I used to scoop up all the courses and I was like a procrastinator learner and stuff. And so those people will reach out to me and I will just very honestly tell them like, I am no longer the best person to help you with that because I don't remember all the little intricacies of how it is I was trying to get ahead or undo something and that's not to say that everybody's growth path is the same as mine and so like can I still coach those people yes but it's not going to be as efficient as it would have been for me back then just like now I can work with people who are mid seven figures and I have no stuff around that because I have enough familiarity with that level of business to be able to really understand the head of a person who's in that type of role. As I have grown, my clients have also grown.
0: Yeah. It sounds like those emotional touch points almost shift that you didn't have those points of connection and not that you didn't have empathy anymore, but just that you didn't have the, the little moments of familiarity to be able to relate to them.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: Yes. Yeah. I always advise for like ideal clients shifting all the time, like get it down on paper once, but then it is going to evolve essentially every time you have a new client or every time you have a new offer or every time you take a step in your business, that's going to keep growing. A concept that you taught me comes to my mind often, and that is about lead goals and lag goals. Can you teach on that for aligned action podcast listeners? Lag goals
1: are what we think of as smart goals, right? The thing that we typically think of when we think of goals, I want to make X dollars, I'm hoping to sign X number of clients, I want to make this many sales, I'd like to have this many subscribers, it's often quantifiable. And it's an indication of what it is you've accomplished, right? It is the result that comes from you doing something and someone else either saying yes, or there's some outside involvement in happening. And the lag goal lags because there are lead goals, which are the inputs, they're the action that you take. It's the thing that you are willing to do in order to get the goal that you set for yourself. So the lead goals are the things that are actually in your control. They are the the things that you will do to try to make this many euros or to sign this many clients. We often put way too much emphasis on the lag goals because that's what we want, but then we either have unrealistic or unclear lead goals, or we try to pigeonhole ourselves into following somebody else's lead goals, right? Because they sell us a $27 thing on an Instagram ad that says like, this is what you have to do. And, And we're like, okay, but the whole time we're doing it, we feel terrible about ourselves and we know it's not right. Do you need to set a lag goal? Yes, absolutely. But once you set it, it's a little bit like set it and forget it and then pay attention to what it is you're going to do and how it is you feel about doing those things, and be really honest about Am I actually willing to pitch five podcasts? Am I actually willing to send 10 emails? If you're not, then that's fine. But also pay attention to how that impacts your lag goals, right? But the failure to pay attention to lead goals kind of makes us almost like a victim of life, right? Like whatever happens, happens. And we we don't really take ownership for what it is we could do. Or you're the kind of person who has a pile of lead goals, 20 things long. And you're like, I'll do anything to reach my income goal. And it's like, no, you won't. If you don't feel terrible right now, you're gonna feel terrible in 10 years when you've completely worn yourself out. So the focus on the lead goals is how we actually build a sustainable business that we feel good about and that we can continue to show up for with some kind of hope that eventually we tweak our lead goals long enough to accomplish our lag goals.
0: Hearing you talk about this now, it I think this was the foundation of all of my thoughts on alignment, which is huge because the podcast is called Aligned Action. I remember that viscerally of sitting in Workshops for Water and... First of all, realizing that there was more than one way to reach the light goal, like that was a brand new concept for me. And then that I got to choose which ones I wanted to do to get there. That's a couple of little micro steps that you helped me take. Realizing that I had to feel good about those things, or they were not going to work. It was the feeling good about it or the not feeling good about it that was going to be the predictor of success or failure. And that has really informed so much of what I do. So I am grateful to you for teaching me this when you did, because I've taught the lead goals, lag goals thing to high school students and given you credit for it. I've taught it to ex-boyfriends. I've taught it to (laughs) ex-roommates. I've been there with a whiteboard. (laughs) That ripple effect of that impact of that lesson. I don't know how, if you know how far reaching (laughs) that is. There's lots of Canadians that know it all because of you. (laughs)
1: I mean, I'm not mad about it. Sometimes people ask me, like, are you bothered when somebody like takes your stuff? And and I'm like, no, like, this isn't my stuff. It's not like I, I concocted any of this, right? And I just have no scarcity around my stuff being taught, because it's not mine. Like, it's just an idea. So take it and run with it. That that makes me really happy. That's kind of cool to hear. So,
0: <laughs> So one of the things that we have in common is a focus on action. I'd like to start with a personal question, as one does when they have their entrepreneur idol guesting on their podcast <laughs> and ask you to describe one meaningful action that you've taken in business lately. And by lately, of course, I mean, any time in the last year and a half, because what is time now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes, that's uh, that's
1: about the time frame that I'm working on right now. Honestly, I think it is still finding people to serve. I just started my podcast. I had the art done a year and a half or two years ago, but I couldn't get myself to release it. I even recorded episodes with clients and stuff, but there was something off about it. the thing that was off was that that would have been about me. Now, do I believe that people would have been helped? Yes, absolutely. But when I come from a place of how can I help and what can I do to make somebody else's load lighter or to offer a perspective shift or to just like sit there and be with them. Anytime I come from that place, it makes it so much easier for me to take action and the results are always so much better, right? So the podcast now came from stories on Instagram and I was like, hey, are you feeling kind of meh? And like my inbox blew up with people who were like, oh my gosh, I thought it was just me. And I realized, okay, I have way more to say than my thumbs can type out. And so I need a way to share with people that they are not alone in this and that they can see that there are others who are going through what they're going through and to share some of my perspectives and insights on how we might weather the storm that is life right now. And as soon as it became like, oh, this is a way for me to help people, then all of a sudden I I sent my assistant a message. I was like, oh, hey, by the way, I think we're gonna like do up the podcast real quick. Can you look into doing that? And it was very easy then. It always comes back to serving for me.
0: So if that one meaningful action is the podcast launch... I know you have this framework of how progress happens through the awareness, yep. acceptance, decision and action phases. So if the yep. launch of the podcast was the action, can you walk yep. us back and let's talk about the decision first.
1: I think the decision was I have more to say to people. We talk about path of least resistance a lot with people. Like what is the path of least resistance for me to help a bunch of people all at once and to like disseminate some of my ideas. So how do I convey that quickly and easily? The acceptance part is me accepting that I don't need the podcast to be a certain thing. I don't need the podcast to look like other people's podcasts. I don't need to make it to new and noteworthy. I'll still call myself a recovering type A person, right? I, there is some part of me that wants to strive. And I Will still catch myself wanting to strategize the thing. And yes, but like, what is the best way to do this? And if I can get myself to accept, like, actually, that's not really what I care about anymore, or that's not the thing that gets me the results that I'm wanting, then I can accept that this is just going to be what it's going to be. And I don't need a certain result out of it. The awareness part. I think if we go backwards one more step, was I have something to say. There are all these people who are talking to me. I have a little bit of crap around there being a right way in air quotes to launch a podcast. You'll notice there is no intro music, there is no voiceover. Like it is, I take my phone out. I make sure that the baby is like in a jumper. So he doesn't like stick a fork in a light socket. (laughs) I run out to the minivan and I talk for 10 minutes into my phone and then I upload it to the podcast. That is the extent of my podcasting, right? But I had to be okay with that version being good enough for me.
0: So fascinating that walking it backwards is an interesting perspective on that because obviously we're always thinking forwards. I'm one of those strivers too. It's like, well, what is next? What is ahead? Can we talk for a second about that striving bit? The needing it to be something and needing it to be something specific is I think one of those blocks that holds us back a lot.
1: I think some of us are wired to get attached faster than others. I mean, I've gotten way better at it, but I know that I attach to an outcome very, very quickly. So the opposite of that is detachment or non-attachment. My pseudo definition of that is that I don't need what it is I think I need in order to feel the way I want to feel. And so for those of us who tend to strive or who want a particular outcome, we think that we need that outcome usually to keep some kind of core identity in place. For me, I'm not particularly brilliant. I am like above average, but I'm not going to solve any like worldwide problems here. Okay. But I grew up thinking that I was like brilliant, right? But that was largely a product of my environment, right? You are a big fish, little pond scenario. Exactly. Yes. (laughs) Right. I still have stuff around making sure that I'm perceived as smart or that I look like I have it all together. This is something that's also common amongst oldest children, children of immigrants, or people who were like in a gifted and talented type of program. I was all three of those. (laughs) We have to figure things out faster than the average person or we're expected to in business i always want to look the same way and so if there's any chance that somebody is going to like look at something that i do particularly publicly and be like what is she doing especially my peers like if i feel like my peers are going to in some way look down their nose at what it is i'm doing there's a lot of stuff that i got to do around that before i will be willing to take action now that is substantially easier for me to do now than it used to be. But that is always the thing for me is realizing what it is I'm actually trying to get out of the result that I'm hoping for. And at this point, understanding that the results are always going to be a side effect for me of me doing what it is I want to do. And they're just going to be like a really cool side perk of me living my life and running my business in a way that is in integrity with how it is I want to be living, period. You kind of have to know that about yourself, at least some of us do.
0: Do you have any go-tos that you yourself do or that you recommend to work through this stuff, so to speak? <laughs>
1: yeah. So I think understanding what that core identity is that you hold really, really dear. So the core identity that I hold really dear is being smart. And typically, if I can't get myself to take action in my business, it's because I am afraid that somebody who I want to think of me as smart won't. That's kind of my indicator. Like, oh, am I not taking the action? Okay, this is probably related to my thing over here. And now how do I work around that? Or how do I make that okay? How do I create some safety for myself around that? How do I protect myself? How do I let go of that identity a little bit? Those are the types of things that I'm asking myself in order to like not be so hung up on needing a certain result in order to kind of keep seeing myself a certain way.
0: You have consciously built your business around simplicity. I think you even have a coaching program called Simple or Simplicity? I do. Yes, (laughs) And also work-life balance. And part of that, it seems, is opting out of the social media roller coaster. So what does marketing look like for you instead? Like what is living this alternative like?
1: Okay, so I will say that that is possible because I run a high ticket business. I do not need many clients per year in order to hit my revenue goals. I don't need thousands of people to know my name. Even that is weird for me to think of, right? Because like in my head, I have a mental Rolodex of maybe 100 people at any given time that I'm like kind of paying attention to what they're doing and what they might be needing. But I think that's my marketing strategy. Staying in touch with people who I perceive I could be of service to. Now, on a tactical level, one, I have never put myself into coaching spaces. I was always in business spaces, so that I wasn't like one of 30 other coaches. I was always the unicorn in the room, maybe like a three legged unicorn or like in some (laughs) way, like not quite shiny sparkly. But like, it was the kind of situation where if somebody asked a question that was in any way headspace related, people were always like, Oh, well, let's see what Jess thinks. Right. Mm -hmm. And That was semi-intentional, but that was also kind of just a happy accident because I enjoy left-brained people and left-brained spaces. I didn't want to sit around and like talk about feelings all day, which is ironic because that's literally what I do. But from a business angle, that's not what I want to do. I want to talk about the smart nerdy thing. Also, as an introvert, it is much easier for me to connect with people one-on-one. I can build a relationship and I can build trust and rapport with people very quickly. The opportunities that have yielded the most return for me have always been places where I can get to know individuals very quickly. So that's in-person events, that is very small, peer mastermind type experiences, anything where there's already a foundation of trust. I've done a lot of pay to play that sometimes gets a bad rap. And I don't suggest you just jump into any room, but I always jumped into rooms where I felt like there were people there who I could benefit from being around and vice versa. So I think those are the more tactical quote unquote marketing things that I've done and not like some kind of brilliant strategy on my part. It was just me paying attention to what it is I like to do.
0: Well, that is a building strategy because <laughs> recently this concept came to me that we have to know, like, trust ourselves before other people will know, like, and trust us. That whole know, like, yes. trust thing is like a mirror to yourself because it's actually yes. an inner game first. It sounds like you knew that you were an introvert and- You knew that you liked how you felt in those spaces and you trusted yourself to be able to get results in those spaces. Because of this awareness that you had of yourself, you translated that into a strategy that would work for you instead of these are the 10 strategies, which one do I feel like doing?
1: Yes, but I figured that out through experimentation. Mm -hmm. So like we talked about Emily Williams and talking on strategy Hour. That happened because I offered Emily a session and the feeling that you described about you and I and workshops for water is how I regarded Emily. Before I did this call with her, I like sat and meditated in my closet for 20 minutes. And so I was doing the call with her in the closet and sat and meditated for 20 minutes and like was sweating bullets. And then I went on like a peer retreat to New York City and was just dying to meet these people but like also semi-terrified and these people are all like my best friends now I only gained that knowledge of what it is that's right for me by making a lot of mistakes too I talk about the call with Emily but like I probably did 50 calls like that that I didn't get anything out of so it's like are you willing to experiment for your own data about yourself, about what works for you. We talk a lot about like what works for the business, but like you got to know you first, and then you can go apply it in the business.
0: So does that trial and error, does that make you a doer or a beer? And what do both of those things mean in okay. your fascinating framework about the two different ways that we grow?
1: Okay, so doers and beers are exactly what you just said. It's how we grow. I noticed that some of my clients grow the most by taking an action and getting a result. And then on the back end of that result, right, they'd have a six-figure launch or something. They would finally see themselves a different way. So they'd have all the imposter syndrome going through the launch and they would have to fake it till they make it. They'd have to push, but then they would get the result And if we did enough self-reflection, so they could actually think and process through what it is they'd just done, they would see themselves as like, oh, I'm the kind of person who can build a community or successfully launch something. So those are the doers who have to do something before they're going to see themselves differently. The beers are the ones They have to see themselves as the kind of person who can sell. They have to see themselves as the kind of person who can get others' results or have a great launch or something. And then once they have no more stuff around it, then they will go. They are completely unstoppable. So, what I was just talking about in terms of trial and error, that is me being a beer, figuring out how do I believe that I could be the kind of person who builds relationships with people who are quote-unquote way above her. Well, okay, I'm going to experiment with joining this group. Nope, that didn't work. Okay, I'm going to experiment with offering sessions to these people. Well, that has moderate success. Okay, I'm going to experiment with going on this trip. Oh, that actually worked pretty well. And as soon as I saw myself as the kind of person who can be peers with these people, then suddenly... I had no more crap around selling to them. And it was very easy for me to show up for them and to talk to them. But I had to take the actions that got me to think of myself in that way, right? Whereas a doer would maybe do a bunch of informational interviews and then like write a bunch of social media posts and they would, you know, do all the things and they would sell to people way before they feel ready to. And then on the back end, they would have to manage their feelings of like, oh my gosh, can I actually deliver on this? And is the other shoe going to drop? And is somebody going to call me out? Right? So if you experience those, is this all going to be taken away from me feelings? That's likely you showing up as a doer because you haven't fully integrated that this is who I am. This is how I show up now. A beer is not ever going to have those kinds of feelings, but they, they usually are spending a lot of time on the front end kind of navel gazing, quite honestly. And you have to actually get comfortable with the fact that the actions you're taking are going to have to be largely for your own growth and your own change in self-perception so that you can implement the kind of strategies that you want.
0: And on that topic of managing your own growth as a business owner, that seems to be from the first couple of episodes that I've listened to, what you're tackling in How's That Sit? When I listened to your trailer for the podcast, I noticed that like at least the first topic that you're tackling on the podcast is all about how to feel how you want to feel. I love the format that you have with the podcast of how you're going to tackle one topic at a time and leave it up there. I think you said an indeterminate amount of time and you'll replace it with something else based on the conversations that you're having. Can you tell... Aligned Action Podcast listeners about your show, because I can see there's going to be some crossover. So what would you want them to know about your show?
1: The show started almost as like a way for me to continue the conversation that I was already having with people. I have a few really strong values, one around like confidentiality. So you're not going to see me like screenshotting other people's comments to me and then like, talking about those. I deal with way too many sensitive things to ever make somebody not trust their confidence in me. But then I also really value being timely. We have so many reasons to not be present that I don't want people to listen to something because like, oh, well, it could be valuable someday. Yeah, of course it could be, but get what you need right now. If it's this, great. If it's not, fine, go find what you need elsewhere. What people needed from me right now, or at least some people was like, how do I run a business when everything about my life is in survival mode, when I can't show up the way it is I want to, but I still need to run the business. That's timely right now for a lot of people. But it may not matter as much in six months, or it could be that the conversation has changed. I'll say too, that some of this is like I was talking about my growth earlier. I don't want something from two years ago to be how people think of me now, not because I want to manage their perception of me so much as like, I'm in a different place than I was two years ago. So can you get something out of it? Sure. But I wanted the show to stay a reflection of where it is I'm best able to help people right now and what it is that seems most appropriate
0: it seems like relevance is the main value Yes. you don't want people's vision to be clouded by, you know, all of these things that are going to be actually distractions and yes, that, you know, you want them to really center in on what's important. Yes. I love it. So can I ask how many episodes this first series season, what do you, what are you calling them?
1: There, there will be more, right? Because uh, friends and clients and, uh, People have have replied to me and they've been like, well, but what about this? What about that? Right. Which is exactly what I wanted. I know something you and I share is that we're both rebels. I love when people are like, I heard what you said in that podcast, but like, what about this? I want to keep talking about those things, right? So do I know how long this conversation is going to go on? No, I mean, that's like, I'm talking with a a friend of mine, but we have 45 minutes. And at the end of the 45 minutes, the conversation will have reached its natural conclusion. That's not a thing. I don't know.
0: So from listening to the podcast, so one way people can connect with you is to listen to the How's That Said podcast. Are there other ways that people can come into your network and learn more from you?
1: I spend the bulk of my time on Instagram. That is where I show up when I do. And my website has resources page where you can listen to other podcasts that I've been on. It points you to some free things, some of my paid programs, but that's all on my website, jessicaeley.com.
0: Thank you so much for being here. You have no idea how much this means to me to be able to be in in one-on-one conversation with you. So thank you for sharing all of your knowledge with me and with the Aligned Action Podcast listeners. So many gems were shared on today's episode. I am thrilled that I was able to connect you with Jess. And I'll do that as well on the show notes for this episode. So that'll be at clearquartzcreative.co slash three zero, because this is episode 30. And I'll link to her Instagram, her website, and her podcast as well. Now that you've listened to this episode, I encourage you to think about if you are a doer or a beer and how that impacts your experience in entrepreneurship. And then also action step number two is looking into whether you were most inspired by lead and lag goals, the doer beer framework the awareness, acceptance, decision, action framework for how progress happens or the advantages to marketing in a way that reflects who you are, integrate this content, take it in, see how it sits with you and choose one element to integrate today so that you can start creating your own version of success.